podcast focused on lessons learned via the musician's backstory, as well as building successful careers in the business. My name is Allison M., and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. Let's get down to business. On today's show, I have here in the studio Bruce Humphreys of Bruce Humphreys and the Rockabilly Rebels. So welcome, Bruce. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, well, I guess, I mean, I don't even know where to start with you because we've, we've known you so well and you do so many things. Uh, so I guess I've, I've been starting with uh, what are you up to currently as a musician and teacher and all those other things. Uh, it's been a it's been an interesting uh, winter to say the least. Um, <laughs> I've been mixing uh, our second album, the Rockabilly Rebels second album, and uh, that's been uh, a very good learning experience. Um, we recorded it out at our drummer's studio, and I've been uh, mixing it at my little studio at home. Uh, I'm learning a lot about the software. Um, yeah, so that, that's been a challenge, but I think it's gonna be very rewarding. I'm very excited to, uh, to hear the final product. Um, I just sent it off a couple weeks ago to the next person who gets to, uh, dial in the effects and, um, you know, fine tune the mix and then we'll have it mastered and eventually we'll have it put out. Um, I'm not sure exactly how we're going to do that quite yet. Um. But uh, what else? I uh, started teaching guitar lessons. I left the uh, college teaching uh, environment and decided to focus on music and just recently started teaching guitar lessons to a five-year-old, 10-year-old, um, a 30, 40-year-old. I don't know. It's, his, it's a 10-year-old's dad. So, nice. Um, yeah. So I've been working on that and um, just trying to write new songs and get ready for the the playing season to start, um, which started for me this past Saturday. Yeah. Where'd you, where were you on Saturday? Uh, I was at a moose lodge. So Bruce was loose at the moose. <laughs> um, How perfect. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that phrase is perfect. Uh, the show was a little challenging. Um, it was a solo uh, thing, and I'm not exactly sure they knew exactly what they were going to get. Um, <laughs> as far as what yeah, a rockabilly well, musician is, when or? you're when you're acoustic, a place doesn't want to pay for a full band, and they want an acoustic player, but they want somebody that's going to entertain and get people up and dance. And um, you know, I play. I usually start off my set with some, you know, acoustic slow songs, and then I have a, a drum pedal and some uh, a looper and I try to bring up the a little bit um, the energy after a while, and after playing a handful of slow songs, I played two faster songs, and I had somebody come up and uh, ask me if I played any slow songs. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I just got done playing some, but yeah, I've got some more coming up. And so I kind of just continued on with my set, and within about half an hour, um, or whenever I took the the next break, somebody came up and said I needed to play faster songs. So, wow. so I was a little. Uh, it's a crowd with some opinions. Yeah, I was a little confused uh, on exactly uh, what they were wanting, but uh, you know, I survived it, and it was a great learning <laughs> learning experience. And uh, um, I I took some uh, took some value away from that experience. And um, right can apply it to the next one. <laughs> there you go. Every every gig is a learning experience for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so tell me about, um, so you, you have been an art teacher recently, but now you are going, kind of going full-time, full-born musician, yeah? Absolutely, yes, yeah. finally. Um, when did you make that decision? Uh, when I got my rejection uh, letter or email <laughs> from uh, a job that I applied to and uh, did not make it to the interview process, but knowing that I had um, the uh, more than enough experience for that position, um, 
it's kind of a long story, but it, it wasn't exactly because of that. But that was kind of just like, all right, it's time for me to figure out something else because I've been trying to get a full-time teaching gig mm-hmm. at a art college for 20-plus years. And um, I was thinking about um, the phrase flogging a dead horse earlier today, and that's what I kind of felt like I was doing was mm-hmm. flogging a dead horse. And um I've reflected back on my life, and every time that I've been in school, um, whether it was undergrad or grad school, I was playing music, and it's like, okay, what else do I want to do? I've been playing music all this time while trying to seek an art degree um, and a full-time teaching gig. Um, It was time to focus on my other dream, and... uh, so that would have been probably January, February when I got my rejection. And uh, about a month later, they offered me a couple classes, and I said no. And uh, Isn't that a nice position to be in? Yes. It felt good. I felt a little sick to my stomach. Okay. Um, Maybe it wasn't so nice then. <laughs> well, no, it was... Yeah, it was kind of the love-hate thing because yeah. I love I loved certain aspects of teaching art. Um what did you like about it? Well, toward the end of my teaching uh, career, I was teaching a punk uh, politics class. Oh, right, yeah. And I really, really enjoyed doing that. But I was also teaching at the same time another class that I um, were kind of basically told how to run that class. The punk class, I had free reign. This other class... Um, I'd been teaching the subject for 20 years, and it was interesting to see how in education some uh, certain things change. And they had made decisions to have it taught a certain way that I didn't really feel comfortable with um, because I didn't really believe in the way it was being handed off to the students. Um, and I felt like I was shortchanging the students. Mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't able to give them what they deserved um, so that that was one thing i I hated um, but I loved the the punk class I loved my students um, but I would teach basically what I'd been teaching is four months from September August to December and then I'm off because they didn't have any classes to offer me mm-hmm. for nine months which sounds wonderful mm-hmm. but you're not getting paid Right, for nine right. months. Um, so it, it was just time to be like, okay, let's find something steady. Um, so I'm not going to be 60 years old and still being an adjunct teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be 60 years old teaching guitar lessons, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope. Yeah, right. That's, right. A, that's a good place to be in. It is. And uh, with the, the students that I have... Um, Currently, you know, I'm, I'm usually pretty pumped and excited after a lesson with them and watching them kind of grow. So it's kind of cool to be able to still be able, able to teach, um, but just in a different different area and uh, in an area that I really love. Mm-hmm. So. Nice, nice. And so how did you get your guitar studio off the ground? Um, well, actually, someone from the art college... Uh, was talking to me one day, and I was talking about how I was thinking about doing guitar lessons, and he's like, I've got a five-year-old that has a guitar, and he loves playing. And uh, they just happen to live about a mile away from where I'm at. Nice. And so I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll teach him. And uh, so that, that started probably two months later. Um, and then, my well, my daughter's 10 years old, and so she's going to elementary school and there's a ton of students over there and I picked up uh, one of her classmates and then his dad (laughs) and then I've got another uh, family that um, is in the same school that's talking about sending a couple kids to me. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And are you teaching online, in person? How's that working out for you now? So right now it's in person. Um, I've I'm working at getting students on a platform called Lesson Face. Mm-hmm. I'm getting certified on a guitar called the Lug, L-O-O-G, cool. which is a interesting name. But uh, the kids uh, will love that. Yeah, it's a it's a three string guitar. It's basically the first, second, and third string on a guitar, mm-hmm. 
And so it's a simplified version. Um, it's kind of where you start kids off on uh, mm-hmm. learning guitar anyhow. Uh, but I, I should be getting certified on that in uh, mid-May. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm That's excited really cool. about that. Yeah. yeah. Love hearing that. And uh, what are you up to right now with your band? I mean, you talked about the recording. Right. Um, yeah, so we're finishing up the recording. Um, our first full band show is May 7th at the Legion in Oak Creek. Um, it's a rockabilly show with a, another rockabilly band. Um, and so that will kick off our summer 2022 uh, season. And uh, we've, we're booked up through September, late September. Um, we're just going to keep playing um, as long as we can and try to get some more shows. And Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, last year we played, well, I played about 30, it was 30 shows last year. And I, I know that we're up to 21 shows this year. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. I cannot complain. With yeah, that. all uh, things considered, given the state yeah. of world events. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, with COVID, it's been weird. Uh, health problems within a close circle of mm-hmm. friends um, that involves the band um, has kind of put a different perspective on some of this stuff, and uh, we're just we're just thrilled to have the opportunity to play. Yeah, so. I totally hear you on that, and. Uh, and will it be the full band in the your typical formation, typical it, members? It will be, Great. actually. Yes, I wasn't sure if uh, – so I've got a couple backups uh, because other other guys in the band are in other bands. Um, and so sometimes there's conflict. So um, I do have some backups um, if needed, but this is going to be the regular uh, group uh, John on bass, Lorenzo on guitar, Yay. and uh, Kurt on drums. So, awesome, yeah. as it should be. It should be absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I always, you know, I like I like having the I like the guys that fill in, um, but you know, it's it's always really nice to have that consistency, and you know, you know that the the guys, all the guys in the band, uh, know the songs and. Uh, I mean, the guys that fill in do a great job on working, um, mm-hmm. on on learning the songs. But it, it can always be a challenge, especially for like the three hour shows. How can you expect mm-hmm. someone that's just going to fill in for one show to play a perfect three hour set? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm so glad to hear that John is going to be playing with you. I know John's that was going to be there. Uh, yes. A little up in the air for a while, and John, we love you, and and are so glad to have you back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I was really, really excited when he said that he was going to be able to play that because uh, he he should be there. So yes, so yeah. I know John is special to both of us for a different reason. So. Yep. Speaking of lessons, but I'll move on from that. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, that's kind of an inside thing here. But uh, anyways, I want to go back and so you have lived a little bit of a storied career as a musician. Uh, you've you've done a few things and played around a few interesting folks and uh, different venues. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about how you got your start in music? Uh, um, Maybe you don't want to tell me. No, I no. <laughs> I, I just go, you know, I was... Again, reflecting back and trying to figure out where where all this music interest started from. I didn't grow up in a family that was really like I, nobody was a musician in my family. Um, so I remember listening to music um, just on the radio. My parents had a you know the '70s um, stereo system with the you know we had shag carpeting in our living room and um, they were. They, they wired up the house so you could pipe music throughout the house. And I remember them playing a lot of John Denver, um, okay. which was kind of interesting. Um, and then I, I remember they went to a lot of bluegrass festivals, but I don't really remember a whole lot about that. What I what I really remember is seeing musicians on television. Mm. So it would have been like the Brady Bunch, you uh, know, yeah. the episode where they became, uh, they went into the recording studio. And yeah, I think yeah. Uh, Bobby's voice changed or something. So, uh, <laughs> and I by can, the way, you didn't grow up around here in Wisconsin. You grew up. No, uh, I grew up in uh, south, southern, south central Indiana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, so the bluegrass makes a little bit more sense there. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, we used to go camping uh, down in Kentucky. Uh, there was a family that went with us, and they were into really into bluegrass. So I, I don't really know why my parents were into bluegrass, or maybe it was just more of a kind of let's hey let's just do this with yeah. friends and uh, go. Um, yeah, so I, I I remember a little very little bit about that, but I can remember the lyrics to the Brady Bunch song, uh, <laughs> Partridge Family. Um, and I don't really know at that age. I would have been like eight or nine. I don't really know why it connected with me. Um, I may have just, you know, I liked the music. Um, I don't think it was about girls back then, but you know, that eventually that be, it became more about girls. Um, playing a band, you'll get girls. Right, right. Um, so I've heard. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was, it was true at a point, you know, at a certain age it was true. Um, but I, yeah, so maybe it was just, you know, being on stage and having all these people kind of admire you, um, seeing that. Um, yeah, so eventually um, I just picked up uh, drums and I sucked at it, and then I traded those in for a guitar and I sucked at that. And <laughs> it's amazing to look back and think that I stuck with it for some mm-hmm. reason because I was made fun of. Um I was rejected, couldn't get into bands because you were not good enough. Um, you had bad shows, mm-hmm. you sucked, um, that kind of stuff. But it, I don't know. Um, for some reason, it, I, it, there was just a drive there that made me keep going. Where yeah, I, think I was going to say, you must, you're here now. so <laughs> I'm, still, I'm, I'm still here. Um, what, 14, uh, 40? Yeah, I don't know how many years <laughs> later, but yes. Um, you know, most anything else that I would have been doing and I would have hit all those roadblocks, I would have been like, heck with this. And, right, you know, right. But, there, you know, but yeah, there, there was something that I can't really explain that made me interested in pursuing music and then continuing with it. So Nice. So when, so when do you think you did your first gig? Oh, I did... My first gig in front of people in high school. Okay. Uh, what was the band? Do you remember? Was, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would be very uh, politically incorrect now, but it was called the Disabled's. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and there was a reason. Um, one of the the members. I don't think it was me. It might have been me. One of us was on crutches for the tryouts for the talent show. And the other, the bass player uh, was a burn victim. Oh, my God. Uh, so he, he was scarred. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just so uncool now to, to even think about that name. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, but it was, you're a teenager. We're, we're a teenager. The yeah. bass player was in his 20s, maybe 30s. He was, he, he was basically directing us. But um, So he's the one who should have known better, yeah. Well, he was a burn victim, so, yeah. you know, I, <laughs> he, yeah, we should have all known better, maybe. But, you know, I mean, this was the very early 80s. Sure. So yeah, things, things were a little were, bit, yeah. things were a little different. Um, so there were three punk bands at the talent show, and uh, none of us won. The judges hated us all. Um, and the audience booed the judges, which was awesome. Oh. Yeah. Not so bad, the huh? judges, uh, I think, were judging to their taste and right, not necessarily, you know, being Talent. subjective. Yeah. Um, so okay, yeah. So they. Um, so how, thanks for asking about that. Of course, <laughs> I'm so glad to have done that because <laughs> <laughs> I will not forget that now. Uh, so how long did the disabled stay around for? Just long enough for the talent show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I we never played again after that. Yeah, but, yeah. You know. So what what was the next thing for you? The next momentous. Um, you know, I I had friends over and we would jam in the basement. Um, it would have been college when I should have been studying broadcasting or whatever it was that I was studying for um, or not studying for. Uh, I was playing in a cover band, so we were doing alternative stuff, and that's when I found out that. Um, 
people liked musicians. Girls liked musicians. Oh, here um, it is. There yeah. was a lot of partying. Um, and so I, I concentrated on that and failed everything else and uh, dropped Where out of school. Where were you at for this? This would have been very south Indiana. Okay. In a very, very small town uh, called Vincennes. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, get, I only got beat up a couple times. Um, I, I'm surprised I didn't get beat up more looking back <laughs> on it. Um, is a very backward farming community. Interesting. And they did not like punks or new wavers or anybody different looking. Why do you think it was punk music that uh, spoke to you? Oh, great question. Uh, so in high school, I started hanging out with the new waver punk rocker mm-hmm. uh, community and uh, that's what it basically was. It was a community. It was finally a group of people that I felt like I belonged mm-hmm. with. We were all kind of outcasts. Um, so we were outcasts together, and it didn't matter if you were black, white, straight, gay. didn't mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. Um, we all hung out, and we all enjoyed the same music. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't that way in other scenes around the U.S., I found out later, Um you know, there were definitely some, you know, like the skinheads against, you know, the Nazi mm-hmm. punks against the, the regular punks. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so there were a lot of issues other places, but in our small, small, small town, mm-hmm. it was really cool to have that sense of community. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've always been very uh, connected with the punks. Mm-hmm. Anybody that looks different, I kind of mm-hmm. like. Hey, I wanna, I wanna get to know you. Yeah, yeah, that's we were, your scene. I felt like we were much more accepting, and it kind of really just opened my eyes to different lifestyles, mm-hmm. where I wasn't necessarily allowed to agree with different lifestyles when mm-hmm. I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's that typical society telling you, you know, something's bad, and you believe it mm-hmm. your you know your parents tell you or your authority figures your teachers tell you certain lifestyles are not not acceptable and i found out that that was all false mm-hmm. so, okay yeah. well that's that's very appropriate and so um college happened the the rock star personality took over and then uh, did you did you stick with music going forward from there? I did. So I kind of I I played a lot um, with a bunch of different people, um, but nothing ever really stuck. And I you know I I kind of felt like I I was continuing continuing to live in the past to that band in college, where we had these parties and we had that sense of community and lots of friends and lots of good times. Although I wonder how good they really were. Um, but in my head, I was making them out to be great times. Um, and so it was really hard to kind of move on from that, um, especially with, you know, trying to get other bands started and you just don't connect with the people that are, that are, uh, that you're playing with or they have different, um, agendas, um, you know, they're not as motivated or they're more motivated and you're not moving fast enough and, um, so that kind of stuff, but yeah, um, I've just played, I've played in tons and tons of bands, um, some good, mm-hmm. most probably not that great. <laughs> um, what was the worst band you've ever been in? Besides the disabled? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, actually the disabled were actually okay. Um. By the worst story from a band you've been in. Well, I remember playing a show. I don't remember the band's name. I think it might have been Get Smart, but we didn't realize there was another band called Get Smart that was national at that time. That is a pretty good name. Yeah, so uh, I thought it was really good and very uh, original, but apparently someone else had already gotten it and had a record deal, so we had to change. You can uh, just add a T to the end. On both Get and Smart. Yeah, there yes. you go. Right. 
file that away for well, next time. Next next band, next <laughs> band, right? So that particular band, we were playing a show, and I remember there wasn't really hardly anybody there, which was probably good. Um, there was a lot of technical issues. I I joke because I said the only thing that didn't happen was my amp didn't catch on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Which was really funny because the next practice, guess what happened? Oh, my God. The amp started smoking. That's crazy. What else happened at that event? Just like everything I breaking? Think, or... I think strings broke. Um, there was some tech. I, yeah, I cannot, I cannot remember exactly what was happening. Uh, strings broke. We were just playing bad. Um, yeah, I, I do also remember another show where I I was playing. Um, there was a part in a song where it it called for you know where you jump and kind of do a scissor kick, mm-hmm. and I did that, and my guitar strap everything just fell to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> so of course everybody was laughing, which was really pretty funny looking back on it. Wasn't <laughs> funny at the moment, but you know it's just that kind of stupid. Yeah, you know, yeah. rock star. I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to do this kick right here, where and then have the guitar totally slip out of your hands and fall to the oh, floor. How did you recover from that? Oh, I just bent down, picked it up, and we kept going. Yeah, I yeah. remember some, you know, somebody in the the headline band was making fun of us, and one of our female friends was <laughs> telling him to shut up. And uh, yeah, so. Um, there's, Live and learn. Yeah, yeah. right. right. I, you know, it didn't stop me from doing those kicks. I don't do them anymore. It might, <laughs> I was going to ask. It, it might. Well, I might do them for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, this summer. I'm looking for a scissor yeah, kick. Yeah, okay. You might, you might get it. Um, <laughs> depends on how much I've been working out before then. Um, so, yeah, yeah I... And I want to ask, I know you've, so as you're starting to uh, investigate the rockabilly, so when, when did the rockabilly really pick up for you? Well, when I, w- when I was a punk, um, we used to go to thrift stores all the time and buy a bunch of junk and then like shirts and cut them up and make them into punk rock shirts and jackets. And mm-hmm. um, I was buying swing albums. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was listening to kind of some different stuff. Um, Stray Cats came out in the early 80s, and I remember watching them on TV, and I absolutely loved the music and uh, started kind of, you know, following them. Well, I became obsessed with them, let's be real. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, learned about other, uh, the Rockabilly classic uh, artists, Elvis and... Eddie Cochran, Carl Perkins, Jerry Lee Lewis, um, and just have always loved the music. Um, and there's a lot of similarities between the punk uh, scene and the rockabilly scene. Mm-hmm. They were both uh, rebel music, mm-hmm. um, and uh, parents hated both of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there was a lot of connections, lots of similarities, and uh, so it seemed natural to me. Um, to kind of start moving into that direction. The song, the uh, the chord structure is super easy, something that I was able to play. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it just kind of continued. Um, and I just started, you know, not playing the Ramones kind of stuff anymore. And mm-hmm. I was into the cramps, and they were, had a lot of rockabilly influence. And... Uh, just kind of just kind of stuck with that nice yeah and so who did you who are like your big influences in the rockabilly scene so brian setzer from the stray cats mm-hmm. uh would have to be the the top the top one uh i mean i i like all the original stuff mm-hmm. uh carl perkins i've been listening to quite a bit of him lately um you know, I, I watch some of the old video, old black and white films that are on YouTube and mm-hmm. just watching his movements, how he was dancing around and moving around to the music. Um, I find I, I love it when musicians not only play, but they they perform. Um, it's, you know, like Rick Ocasek from The Cars, not rockabilly, but uh new wave um so when he'd perform he pretty much just stands there 
or he used to stand there. He's dead now, but um, <laughs> he would just stand, and there wouldn't be hardly any movement, which with him, it was kind of cool, but I've seen so many musicians where they're just standing there, you know, and not really getting into the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that kind of brings a whole nother level. So if you watch old Carl Perkins films and he's, you know, kicking his legs around, not doing scissor kicks, um, but <laughs> just doing, you know, just little movements, it's much more entertaining. So I find some inspiration from that. Um, Brian Setzer, uh, when I saw the Stray Cats, the, the bass player had that great big full bass mm-hmm. on his on his shoulder, and he's running around chasing Brian, and the drummer's jumping up on his drum set. And yeah, just so, crazy yeah, fun right. stuff. Yeah. Um, I find that much more entertaining than watching people just stand. And there's nothing wrong with just standing. Um, I stood, just stood a, for a long time, because when you're learning guitar, you're just trying to figure out how to play. Mm-hmm. And usually that's sitting down. Then you got to figure out how to play mm-hmm. when you're standing up. Then you got to figure out how to play and sing. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of a progression. Um, but some people, it's more about the music and not about the show. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, but I've always been kind of, I want the show and the music. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I try to move a little bit, shake it. Yeah, you know, shake yeah. It, shake your it shows for the are always, yeah. <laughs> Your shows are always very entertaining, <laughs> for sure. Nice. And where are some of the bigger places that you've performed at? Uh, with the Rockabilly Rebels, uh, State Fair, Washington County Fair, um, Friday Night Live, Shank Hall, Kochanski's. Um, Didn't you have a story about performing... Opening for someone big? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we opened for, well, I was playing, okay, so I, I mentioned uh, Stray Cats in the 80s. Yeah. Um, because of the Stray Cats, I found out about the Rock Cats, um, and I started following them, and they had they had a minor hit on MTV. I, I loved their song. Um, and I ended up meeting the singer from the Rock Cats who was living in Philadelphia when we lived up, up there, and... Um, he was playing in a band, and they were really good. And the next time I saw him, they had he had completely different people, and they were awful. Um, <laughs> not because the members were awful. It was just they hadn't been playing together very long. Mm-hmm. So I made a comment to him, and he uh, about – I can't – oh, yeah. So I was watching him, and he – it was at a show, small bar, probably about as big as this room – um, and he's playing guitar, and he, he looks at me and points at me and points at his guitar. And I'm like, okay, he wants me to come up and play. And I wanted to say no because mm-hmm. it would have been totally uncomfortable. Um, but I also knew that if I didn't do it, he may never ask again. So I got up and I played. Mm-hmm. And it went great. And uh, in his English accent, when we were done, he's like, do you want to be in a band? <laughs> I'm like, sure. So I, I invited him over. He came over, and I was like a little schoolgirl. He was in my house, and I had him sign my records that he, you know, that I had from when I was a kid. Um, so that was really cool. And he ended up, uh, he was friends with Brian Setzer from the Stray Cats, and we ended up playing a few shows uh, on the East Coast with him. So we played the Trump Taj Mahal, mm-hmm. which would be the only only venue that anybody would know or have heard of mm-hmm. um and that would have been the the biggest venue mm-hmm. that was really really cool so you got to hang with brian setzer uh talked to him some mm-hmm. but you know it, it backstage you know i had him sign a poster um but when you're back well when you're at his level if there's anybody around, they're going to want to talk to him. So mm-hmm. I was talking to him one-on-one with him and his wife. And within minutes, there was a crowd around him. So I, right. I just walked off. Right. Because, you know, it, I don't want to be a bother. I got what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Well, I got more than what I could <laughs> ever possibly dreamed because the next day I was home raking leaves. And <laughs> I think I told you that once. I was raking leaves with the biggest smile on my yeah. face. It was the best day um, but yeah, it was a, a great experience and, uh, it's another one of those things that it's like with that college experience and, 
you know, looking back on the past and be like, oh, I'd love to do that again. You know, oh, why can't I play a great big venue like that? And I knew Dibs, you know, Dibs, the, the singer from the Rockettes, had uh, opened for Kiss and they toured with Go-Go's. Um, you know, all those big bands back in the 80s, Flock of Seagulls. Um, and the first night that we did that tour with Setzer and stepping out on stage and just having a ball and seeing, you know, you're playing a sold-out venue, big venue. And I'm like, I could see where he would want to get back to this because mm-hmm. it felt so good. Mm-hmm. It was such an amazing high um, that did not last long, mm-hmm. nearly long enough. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... I've, yeah, so, you know, every November there for a few years, it'd be, I mean, I still do it, let's be honest, <laughs> be like, oh, yeah, it was 10 years ago, I was doing this best show ever. The Brian Setzer Day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it, very surreal to be playing the songs from the Rock Hats on stage at the Trump Taj Mahal. Yeah. With Brian Setzer on the side, watching us, telling you know, Dib's wife, that we sounded really good. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I have that to take with me. But yeah. I, I've had a, a lot of really rewarding experiences with the Rockabilly Rebels that, you know, as great as those shows were on the East Coast, um, I was playing Dib's Dibs's songs. Mm-hmm. But now we're playing my songs and... Mm-hmm. Just to be punny, that almost trumps it all. <laughs> That's great. Yes, I'm. I'm so glad that you're you're making things happen now with yeah, your own. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great spot to be in. It is. It's exciting, um, and to see the reaction to my songs. Yeah. Because I've never had that reaction until I moved to Wisconsin. Yeah. And what made you move to Wisconsin? My wife. Uh, she was pregnant, and. <laughs> Uh, she got laid off from her job in Philly, and we did not want to raise the kid in Philly. And she got a job uh, at Kohl's. Oh yeah, Kohl's and we Kirby, moved, yeah. yeah we moved out here to with uh, with a two month old. Yeah, wow. Yeah, crazy. Um, and the the week that I came out to look for a house, it just happened to be the same weekend as Rockabilly Chili. <laughs> the WMSC fundraiser. Um, it was meant to be. It. Yeah, it, it it was weird. It was how many other cities can say they have a rockabilly chili? Right, I don't think <laughs> any, but I knew I was home because. And plus, you know, when I was driving down to the the venue, the Kern Center, I was in the far right lane, and I need you know just turn only, and I needed to get over to the left, and this person behind me that was driving let me over, and it was a shock, because in Philly that doesn't happen. Right. You know, it doesn't and then I, at a lot of places. Then I'm standing around at a, a packed Kern Center. All these people, nobody's running into me and being rude. People are actually talking to me, and they're like, they get out of your way. You know, nice. and so it's like, okay, this is not Philadelphia. This is this is nice. Yeah. So. Does the Rockabilly Chili still happen? It does. It was didn't uh, didn't happen last year, mm-hmm. or maybe it was two years. I think it was just one year the, that they the didn't have it. The typical COVID break, right? Uh, that so everyone they, had to do. Yeah, they just had it a couple couple weeks ago. So mm-hmm. it was my ninth time. It should have been my tenth, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. was my ninth time there. I'm so glad that tradition continues. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I uh, so I like to ask the guests on this podcast about some of the things they've learned throughout their time doing music. And being in the business, so what are some of the things, the takeaways that you can pass along to those who might be listening? Some of the biggest lessons you've learned. Mm. Be flexible. Yeah. Um, Why is that? Well, you never know what you're going to get. Whether that's fellow musicians or a venue you get to and you're expecting something and you get something else. Um, You just kind of have to go with the flow. Yeah. yeah. Um, Releasing stuff, you may think, and most musicians or artists, I think, believe that they have the greatest thing ever, and then they put it out there and nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Um, You just keep going. you got to be flexible. Um, 
uh, what else? I had something else coming to my mind, and now it's, it's kind of disappeared. Uh, yeah, flexibility is really, really important. And maybe, um, yeah, along those lines, just moderating expectations a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, filter out those those negative uh, thoughts or the negative voices um, that tell you that you shouldn't be pursuing this. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's something that I did because, well, I didn't have the, the support are the I didn't have a mentor when I was a kid that could help me direct mm-hmm. me into a area. So I've I've kind of fluttered through life trying to figure out what to do, uh, at least for the first half of my life. Um, and so music wasn't really something that well, in art. I mean that I didn't go to art school until I was thirty. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, I was like, okay, I want to do something that I want to do. Um, but, you know, you've got society, you've got people, uh, teachers, parents, whatever, telling you that you shouldn't do that because you need to mm-hmm. find something that's going to be financially rewarding to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, me sitting behind a desk would never work. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I've always had to be in some kind of a creative um, mm-hmm. uh, job. Um, yeah, and I'm glad I'm glad you brought up the mentor thing because uh, and I I definitely um, have experienced that myself. But I also try to encourage other people that way too. And and I really I should do that more um, because when you are around someone who has done exactly what you want to do, and they're willing to tell you how they did it, uh, it all of a sudden becomes so much more tangible. And it's like, wow, I. I can really do this, and and here's how. There's you know there's this person really close to me, who I I know has been there. You know it's um, I don't know it's it it's it's possible right. all of a sudden. Right. Yeah, and I think it's well I know it's a lot easier to do it now because of technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 80s, obviously there was no internet, mm-hmm. and if you're living in a small town of 30,000 people, there's not going to be necessarily mentors mm-hmm. for you in that environment um so True, it's yeah. it's a lot easier now to get online and research mm-hmm. to find people in your community um you know wisconsin music ventures um i think is a great opportunity because it brings all kinds of mm-hmm. different musicians together um so i think that's a huge resource for this area mm-hmm. um Wisconsin and beyond, of course. Oh, thank um, you. I didn't even pay you to say that. <laughs> well, not, not yet. <laughs> Steak dinner after, right? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's find a mentor. Um, don't listen to the negative voices. Do something that you absolutely love. Yeah. Um, you know, with friends going through health problems now it's really kind of opened my eyes and has really made me want to step up another level mm-hmm. to make sure I'm doing what I want to do mm-hmm. that I'm a better person a uh, better husband better dad mm-hmm. better friend um, better to myself mm-hmm. um, and by doing that kind of stuff or you know if I'm going to be true to that then I need to be true to what I want to do and pursue what you know, my passion is. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well said. Is there anything, any particular piece of advice you would give to someone looking to do music right now? It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Filter out those Yeah. no's. You shouldn't do this. You yeah. shouldn't do that. You need to be doing this. Yeah, or um, let it motivate you to... Prove them. To prove them wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Just I mean, find a mentor, find somebody that you really respect. Um, mm-hmm. Reach out to some you know famous person. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Worst thing that happened is you won't get a response. Um, I know that one of uh, our guitar player he knew somebody that that was going through some health issues, and he contacted this person that was one of the. It's like this famous guitar player or something, mm-hmm. and they ended up getting in touch with his friend 
Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was that was really cool. I mean, just reach out to people and ask questions and yeah, you know, get a no, you get a no. Absolutely. I have uh, when I did more choral music and uh, singing, and I was looking into doing more conducting, and I I did that for a little bit. Um, I was singing in an ensemble where I could tell the conductor was uh, a really important person. And I asked him, you know, if he would ever consider letting me work with him um, just on the side or like if I could just learn from him, um, I don't know, take lessons or whatever it needed to be. And I didn't really even know what I was asking. But, uh, you know, we've we've just stayed in touch. We've went out for coffee. I've done some score study with him. And then one day he invited me. He's like, hey, I need to go into the Chicago Symphony Orchestra Music Library. You want to go on a field trip with me? And I'm like, Yeah. That's cool. amazing. Yeah. I didn't know you could just go there and um, look through their files and stuff. He's like, well, not just anyone can go there, but yeah. <laughs> certain people can. Yeah. And I have a good relationship there. And I was like, sweet. So yeah. we went down there and like looked through music. And yeah, uh, yeah it was really yeah. fascinating. So you just never know You just right. if you ask. Right. Yeah. And it, sometimes that takes getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like with, when Dibs offered me his guitar. Mm-hmm. Would I be where I'm at now if I, you know, chickened out, which I really exactly. wanted to do? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. that is not what I like doing. Just get, I like being prepared mm-hmm. and rehearsing. Mm-hmm. Get up and just play? No way. See what happens. You yeah. never know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, Bruce Humphreys, I, is there anything that we forgot to talk about today that I forgot to bring up <laughs> that you would like to mention? No, I just, uh, just, you know, want to remind everyone that we've got a new album coming out yes. and uh, I'm working on some solo stuff that involves uh, my daughter singing on another song. It's adorable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. another one. Okay. A different one, okay. yes. Um, and uh, well, my wife and child sang on a couple songs on the new Aww. album with the Rebels. Um, they're can... just kind of backup music, but uh, background vocals, but uh, yeah, they're, but they're still, on there. They're on there, and I think that that's really cool. A, a beautiful and, thing to and do. It, it adds so much, but yes, that that will be out at some point, and who knows how we will release it. It might be a couple songs here and there. Yeah. It might be a full album at one drop. I don't know yet. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's that's a. I love that. And you're gonna. That's something that you and your family are gonna appreciate for. Oh God, yeah. Forever. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And your daughter will be able to share, and you know, right. yes, it, that's just a gift that keeps on giving. So, brilliant. And where can we find out more information on? BruceHumphreys.com. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And Pretty easy. Social media, same kind of stuff. Uh, so Facebook, it's Rockabilly Rebels USA. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am on there by myself, Bruce Humphreys. Um. Yeah, yeah, I think if you just Google Bruce Humphreys, Rockabilly, uh, a ton of stuff will come up. Reverb Nation, (laughs) Instagram, Twitter, all that. All right. Um, Well, Bruce Humphreys, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Awesome. Have a good day. Yeah, thanks. You too. I got a cold, cold heart. I'm
both of me and you And I'm sorry, how was I to know? so much for listening. We hope you'll leave ratings and reviews for us wherever you're listening from. Visit themusiciansventure.com for more information on upcoming guests, show notes, and ways to send us your topic suggestions. The Musicians Venture podcast is hosted by Allison M., recorded at Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music written and performed by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again. <laughs>